everybody always talks about uh, gift, being gifted or, or being born with a talent. You know, he's a superior athlete. Well, I'll tell you what, hard work and determination and learning that failing is okay will always trump gifted and talented, you know, because as long as you have perseverance and the ability to overcome adversity, you know, there's a lot of athletes out there who, who have never failed. You know, they, they lose their first fight or their first football game and they just crumble because they, they've always, they don't know what adversity is really all about. Angel of light, come into me. Show me what I need to see. Welcome to the Small Victories Podcast. I'm your host, Pauline Victoria, an inspirational thought leader that offers transformational perspectives based on my unique experiences as a woman born without arms and legs. I feel like my life has been full of small victories that has led me to discover the greatness within. I believe that there is no summit upon which we reach our greatness. I believe it is a culmination of small victories achieved moment by moment when we turn toward the inward battle where we get to choose despair or hope, misery or miracles, defeat or victory. My goal is to awaken your potential, your purpose, and your power so that you can discover the greatness that lives within you. Think of this podcast as your weekly portion of tools, stories, and teachings that help you reflect on the small victories in your life. Thanks for tuning in and let's begin. Thanks for joining another episode of the Small Victories Podcast. I'm your host, Pauline Victoria. Leadership is a term that we often relate to something as positive, but our upcoming guest addresses the ugly side of leadership in his newly released book, Unmasking Leadership, where he brings forth his experience serving as the first minority police chief of a racially divided community. Jesus Eddie Campa is a retired law enforcement executive with 27 years of experience, having served as a chief deputy, chief of police two times, and state law enforcement director. He is also an international public speaker and leadership expert, focusing primarily on overcoming adversity in the world of leadership. He is the owner of AB Strategic Security Group and Leading Through Adversity, a leadership development firm. Jesus, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to come out and speak to your audience. This is awesome. Um, this is a side that we rarely hear about. Um, so I want to start there. The ugly side of leadership. What do you mean by that? Yeah, you know, absolutely. So, you know, I, I think I've had a leadership role pretty much my entire life, you know, growing up. But as far as my formal leadership, you know, when I first became a leader, first got promoted, you know, I remember being handed a set of keys and a clipboard and they said, okay, you're in charge, go, go lead now. I was like, okay, like, what do you mean go lead? Yeah, just go tell people what to do. And I'm like, well, leadership is a little bit more than that. I mean, and, you know, so you go out there and the reason I got promoted is because I didn't want to do the things that my leaders were making me do because I didn't agree with it. So, you know, it's like, okay, so you got to kind of find your own way. And of course, you know, nobody prepares you for when, when you do get promoted, you know, you all of a sudden you get new friends who are only your friends because you can, they can benefit from being your friend. And then your old friends leave because you're no longer that same guy. And nobody tells you that, you know, because now you're holding people accountable. Uh, you know, people, we don't talk about how, you know, all of a sudden you get uh, this little thing called haters. 
you know, people who, who don't uh, agree with you or want to follow your, your plan of action. So they'll make things up, especially now in a in the world that we live in with social media being so easy to, you know, you can type out whatever you want about anybody in a matter of minutes and make it uh, seem like if it's real, you know. So, uh, you know, the other side of leadership is that, you know, right now we do uh, unfortunately live in a time where people need to be coddled. You know, it, it's kind of like, you know, well, why should I do this? You know, everybody's questioning authority. It's almost like we're becoming an anarchist type of environment, even in, in, in the professional you know, standards, because, you know, nobody wants to do what they're told. Nobody wants to follow the mission. Everybody wants to just go out and do their own thing. And a lot of times leaders are put in situations to where when they hold somebody accountable, uh, they're the ones who are met with the repercussions, especially in the public sector, you know. So, so that's kind of what I mean. It, it, it's all these things that nobody ever told me about when I was getting promoted, working my way up to chief and becoming the chief and, you know, having to deal with police unions, the ugly side of having to deal with unions and, and stuff like that, that, you know, uh, leadership is really being diluted. And uh, what people think true leadership is, is now based on that guy's a good leader if he benefits me. If he doesn't benefit me, then he's not a good leader and I'm going to run him through the mud. And, you know, a lot of times I think that's why we're faced with the lack of leadership that we have in our nation right now. I hope that answered the question. I think you said a lot there and I'd love to unpack it a little bit more because I see this divide of people who there are there's a group of people that are like, just tell me what to do. I don't want to have to think about it. Just tell me what to do. Like you said, they want to be coddled. But then once they're told what to do, then there's a group of people where they're like, well, don't tell me what to do. I want to do what I want to do. So how do you balance both of those as a leader where you have to bring people together of two different minds? Well, you know, I think I think that one of the things that makes a good leader is a, is a person who's able to pivot their leadership style. You know, there's there's 12 types of leadership styles that are recognized across you know, globally in, in, in leadership. Right. You know, you got your your servant leader, you got your your lazy fair leader, you got your dictatorship, your authoritarian, you know, things like that. And I think that especially right now in, in the environment that we live in, where we live, we have, you know, we have the baby boomer, generation X, generation Y, and, 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 and um, the millennials all in the workforce, being able to talk and, and act differently and implementing the different leadership style with each one of those generations is very important. You know, if you try to use an authoritarian leadership style with a millennial, good luck, that ain't going to work. But if you use an authoritarian uh, leadership style with with a baby boomer, they're going to understand it as opposed to using a, a servant leadership style, you know. So I think that what makes a good leader is somebody that's able to pivot quickly and, 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 and know when to implement a certain leadership style in order for them to get the mission accomplished. Okay, so how do we pivot but stay true to the mission and vision? That's the hard part. And, and that's the question that I don't think anybody has the answer to because, you know, um, you, you, have to, you have to kind of be able to look at the big vision and see what is the mission? How are we trying to accomplish the mission? And even before you, you, you start looking at the mission is you got to decide whether or not you have the right team. And, and I think that in order to have the right team, you, a leader has to be able to sit with everybody down communicate and paint that vision if, if a leader cannot get you the follower regardless of what generation you're in to see the big picture and see the vision then you don't belong on that team and that's one of the things that unfortunately for me as, as a police chief I had an issue with 
because a lot of the times I was being brought in from the outside and I was giving a team and saying, here, here's your team. And I couldn't make the necessary adjustments because they were protected by civil rights, by civil rights, excuse me, by um, civil service rights, you know, civil service rules, uh, unions and things like that. So even though I sat down and would draw the picture of the vision and some of them got it and some of them didn't want to get on board, I couldn't replace those people because they were protected by civil service protection, which is a good thing. I mean, you know, we don't want people just coming in and firing people willy nilly. Right. But when there's a mission that needs to be accomplished, you as the leader should be given the opportunity and the authority to move people around or make the adjustments, you know, because now that I'm in the private sector, you know, I own two companies and in the private sector, you know, it's my vision and, and, and people either get on board or they can get off, you know, but in the public sector, it's a, it's a whole lot harder. So that's kind of the, along the same lines of what we talk about the ugly side of leadership. When you take over, you think, oh, I'm in charge. I'm going to do whatever I want. You get there and you set the goals and you set the mission and then half the train doesn't want to get on board and you're stuck with the team and you can't do anything about it. You know, those, those are just some of the things that you have to learn. And, and, and of course, a lot of it uh, is balanced out by the amount of political collateral that you have. When you make these changes coming in as, like, as, a, as a new administrator, as a new executive, you know, you have that so-called honeymoon phase, right? So in that honeymoon phase, you, you better make all the changes and everything necessary to make because, you know, they'll forgive you and let you do everything you want for the first year. And after that, you know, they start really holding your feet to the fire as far as making changes and things like that. So I, I know I didn't answer the question. I sounded like a politician because I went totally around that question. But that's what I'm trying to get to is how do we let leaders lead when those that are tasked with placing the leaders in place, tie their hands and don't let them lead. Right. And we don't have an answer for that. And we don't have an answer for that. It's, it's like <laughs> what came first, the chicken or the egg? I don't know. You know. Right. It's kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Um, and it creates a lot of compassion for our leaders because they're in a position where, like you said, you may have a vision or a mission at hand and at task that you have to do. And people only want to see you as a good leader if they benefit from it. So right. how do you have a strategy for helping people see your vision or mission when they can't and they're, and it's a little harder to get on them on board. And I, you know, I know you worked primarily your experience has been in the public sector, but for our audience who may be also entrepreneurs, which you are as well now in the private sector and owning your own business leadership through adversity, it, just because we get to choose our own teams at times, our teams may not see our vision or appreciate our vision. So right. we have strategy for that. Yeah, absolutely. So communication, I mean, communication and leadership is, is key. So one of the things that, you know, being in the private sector now, you know, running leading through adversity and, and running my other company, America's Best Strategic, is, is that we do have the opportunity to, before we hire you, is to bring you in and make sure that you're a good fit for our culture. You know, and, 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 and our culture is, you know, that before we actually hire you, you know, we bring you, I mean, you're hired, but we bring you in as a, um, kind of like on a, on a probationary period to make sure that you understand the vision, that you see the vision. And the good thing about being able to pick your team, I mean, it, it's just like like football teams, you know, like, let me, and I hate to use the Dallas Cowboys, right? Because that's my team. 
But, you know, when, when, when Jerry Jones bought the team and he brought in Jimmy Johnson and, and that first year, he let Jimmy Johnson bring in his people, the people he needed because he had a vision and he knew how they were going to get to the Super Bowl. Well, we won Super Bowls. We were on our way to creating the dynasty. And then Jerry Jones said the, the awful thing that, oh, I can win a Super Bowl with any, any coach. What did Jerry Jones say? Okay, I'd like to see you try. And he left. And we haven't won a Super Bowl in 25 years. You know, so it's kind of the opportunity that you have when you're in the private sector. It's it's your goal. It's your baby. It's your mission. You know what's going to drive there. You have the opportunity to bring people in, see their commitment, talk to them. And because it is the private sector, you know, if things don't work out, there is no civil service protection. There is no, you know, uh, different type of protections that, you know, if you need to, you can make either a transfer and move them to a different uh, opportunity within your company, or you can basically terminate them. Now, when it comes to the public sector, to the private sector, excuse me, to the public sector, it's a little bit harder because of all the protections that are there. You know, so the, the strategies that you try to use is communicate, communicate, and communicate. And a lot of the times what leaders do is they fail to communicate with their words, but they also fail to communicate with their actions. And one of the things that I found very uh, helpful in, in leadership, whether it's in the private or the public sector is don't ask anybody to do something you're not willing to do yourself. You know, and, and a lot of the times, especially in the private, in the public sector, I had issues where I had officers who didn't believe in the mission of what we were trying to accomplish, you know, especially like community-based policing. And it wasn't until they actually saw me doing it and saw the, re the reaction that the community was having. And then they kind of came along kicking and screaming. And then they saw the other side and they're like, hey, wait a minute, this stuff actually works. Oh, and then they become believers. But because of your action, you see, I communicated it all I wanted. I, I painted the pictures and I set the policies and all of this stuff and they didn't believe it until they saw it in action and saw it work. And then they became believers. So it, it, that, that's basically the strategy is that you, if you have a proven commodity and you can show the results, not just the vision, then you'll get more buy-in from people. And that's the strategy to employ is that, you know what, if you're gonna talk about it, if that's really your vision and your goal, then you have to have some kind of proof to show that it works. And I guess that would also apply to your, as an entrepreneur, your future customers, right? Because oftentimes you're having to take those customers where they may not see the vision due to mindset issues or their own experiences and having to lead them in, in a direction that they may not be able to see yet. Well, you know, for instance, uh, in the building that I'm in right now, this is, this is part of my other company that I'm in, America's Best Strategic Security Group. We, we do a lot of security camera installations, alarms and things like that, right? So in this building, you know, this, this is a new building. It's a retail space. We were asked to do the security system. You know, I've got 27 years of law enforcement experience. I know security. I know I know a thing or two about security. Uh, the owners of the facility, you know, they wanted nearly over 150 cameras in this facility. There was no need for 150 cameras. So I had to, you know, they're like, well, this is what we want. This is what we want. And I said, give me the opportunity. Let me, let me outfit it with exactly what it needs and and you know what and I said look and if it doesn't cover every inch the way you want hell I'll, I'll give you the other cameras for free I'll, I'll pay for them out of my own pocket so once we put it in and we covered the store and they saw the system they're like oh my god you just saved us thousands of dollars and we thought we were in reality I kind of cut my own face because here I'm, I'm, the, I'm the company hey it would have been great to charge you all those extra thousands of dollars because it comes to me right 
but that's not what building a relationship with your with, with, with your customers about. So as an entrepreneur, I said, no, look, you want 150 cameras. You can do that with 80 cameras. You can do it with half. Let me show you. Oh, we don't believe you. So we did it. We showed them. And then they're like, oh, my God, thank you so much. And because of that, we've gone out and, and by their word of mouth, we've got we've secured a couple of other contracts. But that that's that's what being an entrepreneur is. Don't chase the fast dollar. You know, it's all about your it's about your reputation, what you bring, the vision you can see. They couldn't they couldn't envision how 80 cameras was going to cover 100,000 square feet. Well, you know, they just forget that cameras have different angles and stuff. So, you know, you had to explain it. And, and even though I explained it and explained it, they had to see it. So it, it's the same thing in the private sector as it is in the public sector. You have to be able to show your actions. And it sounds like a part of great leadership is building that trust. Have, has anyone come to you saying, you know, the, here I have a vision and people don't like it. People can't grasp it. I've showed it to them. Or, you know, how does one stay unwavering in their vision? So, you know, Leading Through Adversity was created because of a situation just like what you explained. Yeah. I found myself as the chief of police of a very racially divided community of a very, the police department itself was very racist, was very racist. Uh, I was brought in to change the culture and I had a, I had a vision, I had a goal and no matter how many times I expressed it, here's the first minority police chief of this all white police department. And it's like, what? You know, you know, we do things the John Wayne style. We shoot and kick butt and take names and ask questions later. And it's like, yeah, no, we're changing that. And they couldn't grasp it. And they, it's not that they couldn't, it's that they didn't want to. Mm. So I found myself out there. It's like, wait a minute, I've done this before. It works. I know it works. I, I, I've got proof that it does, but I couldn't get them to buy into it. And I felt like I was out there by myself. So really, when when I started going out there and doing these things with the community, it was it was it was actually me by myself having to bring everybody with me, kicking and screaming, and a couple of people would come along. So when I finally left that place, uh, you know, three years later, after making some good headway, I said, I am never going to allow another leader to go through what I did. So we created Leading Through Adversity, which is a very, it's a, it started off as a safe place for leaders. You know what, if you find yourself in a situation where you don't know what to do and you think you're alone, because leadership as a leader, you're out there by yourself and it's a very lonely place to be. Okay, so you could pick up the phone and that's how we started networking is, you know, pick up the phone, call us. We have nothing to lose or gain by giving you our advice and how we dealt with it, you know. And so right now we've got, uh, you know, leading through adversity. We have 29 clients, uh, both in the private and public sector. We have school superintendends. We have executives of Fortune of a Fortune 500 company, which I'm really proud of. Um, that that's what they do is they call up and they say, look, Eddie, you know what? I can't get the buy-in for this idea. And I said, all right, pitch it to me. All right. Have you tried this? Have you tried that? Have you done this? Have you, have you, have you, have you, do you have a, a, a design, a prototype? How is it, is there, is this been proven somewhere else? How can we do this? And a lot of the times what has happened is that we actually end up becoming the strategic partner and we go out and we pitch the idea because you know what, we don't like you. And no matter what you say, we're not going to do it, but we like him. And he says it works. So we're going to try it because he said, not because you said, because he said. So a lot of the times we, we have actually found ourselves to where, you know, uh, we have a police chief, for instance, who found himself in a situation and he knew the, he knew how to fix it, 
but he knew that the people weren't going to buy into it. So he came to us. We put the strategic packet together. We went out. We presented it as the consultants. Everything's working out fantastic. It's a great idea. They love it. But little do they know that it wasn't our idea. It was his. We just packaged it and delivered it. So that's what leading through adversity does. And, and it, it kind of helps. I don't know. I guess we're kind of like the, that protective coating that comes in, you know, and, 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 and presents the idea to get the buy-in. And what we'll do is now, don't get me wrong. We've also gone into places and presented an idea and the people hated it. But then when the executive came back and tweaked it a little bit, it was a wonderful idea. Even though at first they didn't like his idea, then they hated our idea, but his idea was a little bit better. So it's, it's kind of having to know how to play the game and bring it in. So it involves a lot of listening. Uh, you know, a lot of people ask, can you hear me? Well, yeah, I can hear you all. I can hear you but am I actually listening to what you're saying? So I hope that answered your question. And, and yeah, that's how we develop our leaders is we're kind of a think tank where we can come together, spread ideas, you know, and if, for instance, if we haven't had a, a situation that, that you're describing, we pick up the phone, we call other, you know, through our network and we come up with a solution and we've been pretty successful so far. I mean, you know, we started off in the university started off in 2019 with three clients and now in 2020, 21, we're up to 28, 29 clients, all by word of mouth. Wow, that's amazing. You said a couple things there. Leadership can be a lonely position, right? It's lonely at the top. We hear that. That's a cliche. Um, I did not know that's how uh, leadership through adversity started. So that is amazing. I'm I'm super excited about that because I think a lot of leaders are going to be looking well, and if maybe they just didn't know that that support existed. So we'll link your website in the show notes for that. Also, what I heard was that being a good leader means putting your ego aside. Like you don't have to always be the one with the idea, right? You can actually enlist or enroll someone else in pitching the idea on your behalf, because for whatever reason, we think that we have matured since junior high, (laughs) but we haven't. I just don't like your idea because of who you are rather than the idea itself. So leaders have to learn to put their ego own ego aside in order for the idea to come forth. And I think that's a really important point to make. Are leaders born or can they be made? And if they can be made, what skills do they need to strengthen? That's that's a great question. And actually, if you go to our website, that's exactly the, the first thing you'll see. Leadership leaders leader, leaders are made; they're not born. Everybody always talks about uh, gift, being gifted or, or being born with a talent. You know, he's a superior athlete. Well, I'll tell you what: hard work and determination, and learning that failing is okay, will always trump gifted and talented. You know, because as long as you have perseverance and the ability to overcome adversity. You know, there's a lot of athletes out there who, who have never failed. You know, they, they lose their first fight or their first football game and they just crumble because they, they've always they don't know what adversity is really all about. I think every every true leader is born with with the ability to lead and it just given on the circumstances and the situations that they come up through in life that strengthens and matures and enables their leadership ability. While it is true, a lot of people can manage, but very few can lead. Um, and that's because a lot of people let this little thing that you just said a little while ago get in their way and it's ego. And it's only true leaders who can remove their ego and see that they're not always right 
learn from their mistakes and move forward and listen to people who have been there and done that and have and, and, and solicit mentors, that those are the guys or gals that are going to move up. So if you want to be a great leader, you have to learn how to listen, how to fail, and how to remove that ego and continue to go. If you refuse to do that, then you'll be a great manager, but not a good leader. Ooh, that's good. Okay, so manage versus lead. What is the difference? Well, manage is is, is maintaining control. Okay, is con- is maintain managing is maintaining control of your environment, whether they be people or items or merchandise or whatever. Leadership is about growth and development. Okay, while you're leading, you're leading people to prosperity. You're leading them by helping them grow letting them expand on their ideas and you know while you have a manager who keeps everything in control you as the leader give people the freedom to 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 help you grow the organization by allowing open flow communication so that's the major difference wow i love that and i think that so applies to entrepreneurs especially because as uh people that want to help people want to help them grow and develop not just maintain Um, And so I love that distinction. Thank you so much. Your story comes from humble beginnings. Also, you know, people can often relate to stories and different people's experiences. So you didn't get to where you are today. Can you just give us a little bit of background of who you are? Because maybe there's someone that's listening and they're like, oh, that's me too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, born and raised in, in a poor community of El Paso, Texas, border town, uh, born and raised on the wrong side of the tracks to a single parent, my mother, who had an eighth grade education, never really saw my mother because she was busy working three or four jobs to keep a roof over her head. I was raised by my grandmother. I was the only one in, in a family of uh, of eight. I mean, I'm the only child, but my mom had eight other siblings and they were all professionals. You know, they all went to school. They all they all were married and had good husbands and and good providers. So I was always viewed as the underdog because I was the poor kid on the wrong side of the tracks whose mother was never around, who was raised by the grandmother. And, you know, I was supposed to be a statistic, you know, I was supposed to be, uh, you know, behind bars or in a gang or selling drugs or something like that. And, uh, you know, I just one day saw how hard my mom worked. And I, I it was kind of funny because I said, I never want to have my kids go through what I went with. And in reality, it wasn't, it wasn't that it was bad. It's just that I would see my friends, you know, my, my, my cousins and, and, and stuff, you know, they'd go on vacations. They had the new clothes, they had, you know, the new bike, they had all the cool stuff and I had all the nothing, <laughs> you know? Um, but in turn, as I started growing up and, and working and developing my, you know, creating my, my profession, I found myself that I was just like my mom because I was usually working three or four jobs to make sure that I never ended up that way and that my kids had everything in life, you know? So, you know, you, you, you don't realize where you, what you're actually learning. So I always tell parents, I said, you know, make sure that you, that those footsteps that, that you're leaving are very clear because whether you believe it or, or not, your kids are actually watching every step that you take. That story actually brings more meaning to leadership through adversity, your company, because it's almost like, and I can relate to this, through adversity, the those leadership skills are more refined. I, I really appreciate you sharing your story with us. I always like to use the example of, you know, uh, a, a boat or, or a sailorman. You know, uh, when you go out to a comp sea, you know, it doesn't make a, a skilled sailor a, a skilled sa- sailor 
But once that ocean becomes uh, stormy and choppy and waves are crashing all over you, and if that's if that if that captain can bring that ship back in one piece, that's how leadership is made. You know, it's made through its adversity. It's not made when everything's are calm. Anybody can be a leader when it's calm. Yeah, that's called management. Again, <laughs> there you go. we only grow through adversity. So anyone that is going through some challenging times right now, we, we find ourselves, I think, in a lot of opportunity for challenging times these days, but it's nothing to be afraid of. And it's something we can get excited about because we know that we're actually growing as leaders for our own lives and hopefully for other people as well. Here are this episode's takeaways. Good leaders can pivot their leadership style. Understanding different perspectives and preferences of your followers is essential in knowing which leadership style to use with different followers. Communication and leadership is key to getting buy-in to your vision, but leading by example can help show your followers your vision. Don't ask others to do what you yourself are not willing to do. People can become believers through your actions. Leaders build trust with their followers. Being a good leader requires you to listen, fail forward, and put aside your ego. The difference between management and leadership is management is about maintaining control, and leadership is about growth and development. When you lead, you're leading people to grow. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Leadership encompassing both the good and the ugly side is not an easy position to be in. It requires commitment, courage, and connection. Jesus has demonstrated that true leaders stay the course even when it gets hard. This is truly a victory to be celebrated. You can learn more from Jesus at his website and dive deeper into leadership in his book, Unmasking Leadership. Thank you for tuning in. And until we meet again, be blessed. small